Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Pause I Am Radio with your host, Robert Brining. Sharing stories from across the United States and around the world. To join the conversation, call 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. Each week, we'll bring you our exclusive HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this Sunday edition of Pause I Am Radio. It is uh, April 12th, and I am so happy to be on air again, uh, kicking off Season 3. Uh, today's guest, Calvin Pugh, uh, is an amazing advocate. He'll be joining us in a few minutes. Um, but um, if you missed last week's uh, kickoff of the Season 3 uh, interview with Guy Anthony, uh, definitely go back and check that out. Uh, you can find it by going to our website, pauseiamradio.com or by uh, finding it on iTunes or Blog Talk Radio. Um, it was an incredible interviewing, and Guy is an amazing advocate, and he's doing some amazing things, and he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. So go ahead and check that out back in our archives. Again, Um I do want to talk about a few things um, that I got to do over the summer. I mentioned some of it last show with uh, – when I had Guy on, because we shared some of those moments together, ironically. So, um, but one of the things that I uh, happened to attend this summer was uh, the Pause Brotherhood retreats. Um, I know this is something I spoke a bit about before. Um, the facilitators, uh, Class Juan and Mark, uh, those men uh, put this together. Um, this year was their, I believe it was their anniversary, their 10th year anniversary. It was amazing to be there with that energy of people and it's a spiritual retreat here in the Poconos Pennsylvania so it wasn't far from me um, not too far from New York um, and it's a, a weekend of connecting with individuals who are um, a gay or bi and HIV positive and uh, looking for spiritual connections and it, it's incredible just to find more about yourself I grew a lot I learned a lot about who I am as a person and and the type of advocate I wanted to go. And it was, it was just nice to escape and connect with other positive people on a, on a, on a different level than a, a normal conference or um, outing that you would maybe go to. So for me, it was an incredible event and you should check it out. I know they just had another one. I believe it was last weekend. Um, so uh, if you want to check that out, go to pausretreats.com or brotherhoodretreats.com or uh, search them on Facebook. Uh, we're going to put some links on our website coming up, and uh, you'll I'll have a link to that there as well. Um, one of the other things I went to was Positive Living, which is a uh, conference that is put on in Fort Walton Beach, Florida. It is by that I've ever been to. Um, it is put on by a gentleman by the name of Butch McKay, and it was their 20th anniversary this year, and they were. Uh, it was just an incredible experience. It's um, 
a conference uh, that is basically put on for those living with HIV. So there's close to four or 500 people that attend, and most of the people there are HIV positive, uh, a huge majority. And it is just going there. It's, it's a conference for those that are HIV positive. So you go there and you're put into workshops that are helping you maybe um, work on stigma or work on using social media. Um, or, or work on relationships or learning to love yourself again or women empowerment. You know, there's all different things that they have. And it, it's just an awesome bonding experience. And one of the, the highlights that of my experience this year was um, being one of the quilt bearers. Um, every year during the Saturday they, uh, after before dinner, they have a session where they go out and they do some sort of a memorial for those that have lost, we have lost to uh, living with, you know, lost to the disease before us. And they used to do a heart circle. They did uh, um, circles on the beach and they actually, it's become so big that they had to have two circles and now they actually do it um, kind of like on the patio of the Ramada right off the beach. Um, and I was one of the people who got to actually uh, unfold the quilt and hold the quilt there during the ceremony and, and guard it and make sure nobody, you know, stepped on it, and it was truly an honor to open that up and and to be there, a part of that. It was amazing. Um, I posted pictures online on social media. Uh, you can find them on Instagram. Uh, there might be a few on Twitter, but Facebook definitely has them. If you uh, search Pazim Radio, uh, you'll find me and and the post for that. So that was awesome. And then I had an amazing opportunity. Um, from Johnson and Johnson contacted me and asked me to be one of their uh, HIV ambassadors um, and uh, work their Donate a Photo booth. And if you're not familiar with what Donate a Photo is, it is an amazing app that is put out by Johnson and Johnson. And what it does is it allows you once you download it, it's free. Um, it allows you to take a photo, um, but before you take the photo, you um, will choose a cause. So uh, there's a whole bunch of different causes um, that you can pick from. And it's uh, helping maybe kids get through school, maybe helping um, uh, people with HIV or helping people with cancer, kids with cancer, things like that. You pick the cause that you want to donate to, and then you take a photo. And then when you post to the social media, um, it automatically uses uh, hashtags and, and mentions and things like that. And every uh, photo that you post, Johnson & Johnson donates a dollar to that cause. So it's really cool, and you're able to do one photo a day. So um, there was a booth that was set up there at the Global Citizen Festival in New York, and Johnson & Johnson asked me and our friend here at the show, uh, Kevin Maloney from Rise Up to HIV, and um, Guy Anthony was there, and we worked the booth trying to get people to come in and take a photo there, and um, they were donating to, uh, let me think, um, Elizabeth Glacier Foundation for Pediatric Kids uh, with AIDS, uh, they were donating to that cause, and uh, the Black AIDS Institute, they were the two that were there, and it was a uh, hashtag HIV, make HIV history. And it was, it was an awesome thing to do to go there and try to draw people in to take this photo, talk about the photo, talk about what Johnson & Johnson is doing with this app and, and how cool it is and how simple it is to just use the app to take a photo and donate a dollar to the cause. So uh, we were able to do that, and I, I was able to meet some cool people, Mark Cuban, uh, was there and he took a photo with us at the booth and that was in incredible and the concert that was there Stevie Wonder, Pharrell Williams, I mean Green Day, Chainsmokers, um, it was just really awesome and I was so glad to be a part of that and you know I really want to thank Tara, Becky and Christina who who made that happen for me and, and uh, allowed me to be a part of such an awesome event um, and represent an amazing company like Johnson & Johnson so 
thank you to those people. Um, I want to quick uh, play one of our positive messages before I bring on Calvin. I see he's sitting on the line. So, Calvin, I'll be right with you. Let's go ahead and play Brady. Brady is actually a gentleman who I met at the Positive Living Conference this year. Uh, he's an amazing man who um, his positive message basically explains what it's like to go from feeling so horrible about your diagnosis and then being able to lift others up by sharing yours. Hey, everybody. My name is Brady Morris. I live in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, I, when I was diagnosed as being HIV positive in 2009, I turned right around and tried to commit suicide twice because I thought my life was over. I wanted to just hide from life. I didn't want to do anything. Um, and it took one person coming to me and saying, Brady, I know that you were just recently diagnosed as HIV positive. I was just recently diagnosed. Can you help me? Can you show me, tell me what I need to do next? And that was my light bulb moment. I was like, I do have a purpose. I can help. Um, and that's turned my life around. I have completely given my life over to service, to volunteer. And as a matter of fact, that diagnosis led me on a journey. And now I'm even in Africa doing volunteering, working with children who have been orphaned due to HIV and working with a local women's group, um, an HIV positive only women's group, um, which has been so, so fulfilling. So just because you have been diagnosed with HIV, it does not mean your life is over. There is so much more to keep living for. Stay strong. Love you guys. Say hi, everybody. Hi. This is what life is about. And I, I love that positive message from Brady and, and hearing those girls all cheering in the background and saying hello. It, every time I hear it, it gives me chills and it, and it makes me uh, it makes me have a lot of gratitude for what he's doing out there and helping uh, those other people. So um, it's awesome. So let, let's talk about today's guest. Uh, Calvin Pugh is going to be joining us, a.k.a. Positively Calvin. Um, he is a social media advocate and HIV peer educator in Kansas City, Missouri. After being diagnosed HIV positive in 2016, at the age of 29, he began sharing his relatively short journey with friends and family on Facebook. And after receiving support from his, for his brave and honest story, um, he has decided to dedicate and focus using social media to show support and demonstrate hope so others living with HIV around the globe will not feel stigma is something they need to worry about anymore. And he uses the persona positively Calvin um, and he breaks down walls by, by being him and being bold. And it's something that I, um, I think is amazing. Uh, he is younger than me. So I, I consider it as, as the next generation taking over and basically, um, using social media. That's what social media does. It, it's, you can reach so many people and, and it doesn't matter how far your reach is. Each person's reach reaches somebody, and it may not be the reach that I reach. And I think Calvin is amazing with what he does, and he is definitely somebody you need to keep an eye on. So let's welcome Calvin Pugh. Welcome, Calvin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. I'm so excited to have you on. You know, I came across you first on Instagram, I think, um, when I first uh, took notice to to your, your work and what you do. And I have to say, it's it, it, 
it's awesome because I mean it's only been what a year, less than that. Yeah, that you've been diagnosed. A little over a year, yeah. So it was a little over a year. Sixteen, yeah. Yeah. No, I I think it's incredible that you're able to do that already. Um, It took me quite a while to to overcome that. I mean, I was diagnosed in '01 and I didn't really start talking about it publicly until '06. So you know, the journey's different for everybody, but uh, kudos for for you know, being able to, uh, you know, uh, kind of not give a crap about what other people think. I think that's kind of something that you demonstrate in your photos and, and in your social media posts that you're, you know, you don't care what people think. This is who you are. Well, thank you. That's, that, it is who I am. And that's, you know, and I was really lucky to be diagnosed and have immediately surrounded by an incredible, like, support system. Um, we have here in Kansas City, we have such a good network of doctors and healthcare providers and people who are working in the HIV field that I was never alone. Um, it was definitely one of those things too, that, you know, I'm, I'm a millennial. So I looked out through social media and I found, you know, Josh and you and um, Jack McEnroth. And, you know, I was never had that moment of feeling alone. So I never really had that moment of going, Oh, it's hopeless. There was, you know, there right. was constant feed in my world of, of people who were living well with HIV and it wasn't, it, I never had that moment of like, Oh, it's over. Now, now take me back. Now, what made you was, was getting tested something that you've done on a regular basis or was it just random? That it you was something that I, it was a very regular habit of mine. Um, it was a, I mean, it was an every three month thing. We have a huge amount of testing events here in the city. And so it was just something that we did. I mean, people do it's a routine thing. We have them in the nightclubs. We have them in everything. Almost every event we have in the city, we there is testing at. So it was a normal thing for wow. me. And um, you know, and and I tested negative seven months beforehand, and and then at one day the test was a different result. And and what was that so, like? What was your thoughts at that moment? Do you remember? Um, at that moment, um, I tell everyone. I, uh, patients that I work with now, I tell people, you know, it's like the, the TV in the 90s when you couldn't get reception. You know, that kind of buzzy sound, that kind of like weird feeling of, uh, but again, I mean, I was surrounded by such good people who had such, such hope and such, you know, pushed me forward that it wasn't a staying there for very long. All right. Well, that's good. So do you remember when you told your family, because you said uh, in your bio, you say you told them shortly kind of afterwards how how shortly after did you like tell them so i was diagnosed in may and then my mom was almost an immediate conversation i had just started um treatment um i was looking very ill i kind of had this the atypical flu the and i was pulling 75 hours a week doing hair at the time so i was just not taking care of myself as i should have been um but you know i'm really close to my family and there was never a a moment that it was like, okay, I can't tell them that. Um, right. And my family's all, we've always known people who have been positive. So it's my house, my home's always had a lot of gay people in and out of it over the years that it's not like it was something that, you know, I was worried about telling them. I did on, in November decide that I was, it still felt like kind of a heavy weight through, uh, mm. you know, I'm not one to keep secrets or to, worry about or to you know not tell everyone everything so i did um i did a facebook post and it was really long and i didn't know what was going to happen of uh, you know because of it but i said i was going to do it one way or the other because we run into a few 
situations out in public where people were talking, there were murmurs, there were, you know, it's a very small community here. And there was, you know, just kind of some whispers. And I thought, let's just get it out in the open. So there's nothing that you can say. And, uh, and that certainly worked. So <laughs> it led me. <laughs> there, people don't talk. It, it, I, we were sitting in a, on a meeting the other day and we were talking about how Kansas City isn't really ready to have a conversation about HIV. Um, and last year was a huge spike in increase of, of new diagnosis. And we were sitting down, you know, talking about how, you know, how do we kind of keep the, take this back from spreading. And I, I keep telling people it's, it's about having conversations. It's about knowing people who are positive or not, you know, so there's not a stigma of getting tested and there's not a stigma of living with HIV that they would, you know, people would be more willing to do so. And um, it was a, it, you know, I decided to post this Facebook post and all of a sudden there were people who, have been living with HIV forever who were coming up to me in the night at the bar or, or sending me messages and going, I can't believe you just did that. <laughs> and for me, it was more <laughs> one of those things that I was like, well, if I get it off my chest, you know, and I've always kind of lived by a thought process of what other people think of me is none of my business. So, right. Oh, that's wise. That's wise to think like that actually. But um, so uh, you mentioned now that you're an HIV peer educator. So, you would say I would. That's not something that you obviously were was thinking of doing before your diagnosis. I'm assuming that your diagnosis kind of, kind of directed you in that area. Yeah, I mean, I think more of the conversations that I had on social media after coming out about it kind of directed me in that yeah. in that way. Um, the kind of the having you, conversations with people. Go ahead. I was going to ask you. Did you see, hear any? Did you get any negative feedback from anybody once you posted that online? Oh yeah, there was a few of them. But again, that's, you know, when you have a, when I had a, such a huge wave of people who were telling me what a brave thing it was that, you know, they, that they admired my honesty, you know, that outweighs the, you know, handful of people who didn't care for it. Um, you know, I think if you look through, like, when you see the U equals U posts on Facebook now and you, re, you know, I try to not read to the comments because you get those handful of people who are just so ignorant. And just so, yeah. you know, it's in, you think at this point, 30 years later, we're still being ignorant. Yeah. Or some people are being ignorant. <laughs> right, but it's people who are bold like yourself who are out there, you know, letting people, making people have these conversations because you're not letting the conversation be forgotten. You know what I mean? And I think right. that's something that is, you know, commendable. So kudos to you for that. Um, I, I wanted to to talk about how do you deal with disclosure and dating? I mean, I guess kind of now it's different because you're out, you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of it's right. a little bit different, but um, was there a time in between that you, you know, you had to deal with disclosure and you weren't um, comfortable with it? I mean, I didn't really have, I had such a short time between diagnosis and being through one that hasn't really been an issue of mine. Um, I took, I was in a relationship, kind of a really, kind of crummy relationship there for the last year and and became single in February. And so by February, everyone knows. In fact, last night I was sitting at a bar last night and someone was telling me they needed to get tested because they had had some risky behavior one night. And the bartender kind of looked at them all sad like, and, and the person looked at, said, he's sitting right there. If I end up like that, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. But right now mm -hmm. at this point, you know, people 
no. <laughs> it's all over Facebook and what yeah. I do for, for a living now. It's um, And it's funny because people, since you are so open about your status, um, people are so willing to open up and tell you everything. Some, like, some oh, too much. You know what I mean? But absolutely. It, 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 people will, will open up about everything to you. And it's just like, whoa, I didn't ask for all that. <laughs> right, Absolutely. I was at I was at Starbucks the other day and someone was like, Hey, I feel like I can tell you things. This person doesn't know me. I could I feel like I could tell you stuff and I'm like, Oh please don't. Please please don't. <laughs> I don't need to know your story. All right, but I always felt like I was that friend, like even growing up uh, when I was younger in high school that, that always sought out to help the other friend or was always the one who listened to the other friend and gave advice. Um I, right. I seem that that's a kind of a common theme within uh, other activists that I I've come across. Well, I think I think there's this there's a saying somewhere that says you know we help others to help ourselves. I think we kind of navigate through healing by you know helping others become better. Um, in November, after I I had kind of posted that post, I started working at the LGBT center here, um, which kind of led me to more work with AIDS Walk and things that. Um, in the clinic that I'm at now, just more, more of that work kind of just kind of seamlessly flowed into my life. Um, but I, I began to, when I started having conversations on Instagram or Facebook with people who, you know, I've had conversations with people from literally every continent, I think, except for Antarctica, but penguins don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> but I've, you know, I've had conversations with people from all over the world. And the more I talked to people, the more I felt better. So yeah. it kind of naturally led to where working where I'm doing what I'm doing now in the clinic. So Yeah, yeah. People don't realize it. They're always like, Oh, well, you know, you're helping people all the time. You know, when do you take time to help yourself or time for you? And I'm like, But you don't understand me helping people is actually helping me. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. it's allowing me to kind of feel good and positive about my life and, and you know, you know, be happy. You know what I mean? Because so many times after being diagnosed we have that depression that sad um that, that sad times you know not everybody goes through it for a long extent of time but there is that thought where oh my god i have something that could kill me you know what i mean but right. now not any you know i mean ne- so so tell me what what are your thoughts on you equals you um i think it's an incredibly bold message that really brings a lot of freedom to all of us living with the who are staying in our care and do and taking our medications like we're supposed to you know, I think I, we, ha- we, we have a youth group that we, we host in my department, and, and we were talking about it the other night, and, and they were very confused. Oh, wait, what? Well, so if someone had been taking their medications, I may not have gotten it. And I go, no, but you wouldn't have been here having a good time with us. The, you know, <laughs> but I think it's an incredibly you know, strong statement that's, that's incredibly freeing for people. You know, if, you're, if you're staying in your care and you're taking your pills like you're supposed to, you can't give it to someone else. So it, it really hopefully will break down some stigma. There are people who aren't ready for that yet, but we'll, you know, it's now that we've just got the endorsement by the CDC, I think that that will kind of help fuel it a little further into public knowledge. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So how, how do you deal? Do you, um, so what is your support group like? I mean, since you work kind of like in the HIV field, I'm sure you're surrounded by all kind of like medical professionals and things like that. But what is your core support group, I guess? Is that like 
because I know you're a real family guy, and that's kind of something that I could relate to. But, I mean, do you have, like, a support group that you go to on a weekly basis or? Not one for myself personally. Um, um, we ho- My department hosts quite a few. Um, right. I didn't – I wasn't one to – I wasn't – didn't feel like that I needed group activities. I, I didn't – I wasn't good in the Boy Scouts. Like, doing things with, with lots of people was never really my thing. Um <laughs> You know, self-care for me is an hour and a half in the morning in the gym. But I do have a, right. a, a huge network of friends who are positive here. So if it is something that, you know, we want to keep talking about, you know, we'll 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 all sit down and talk. But I feel well adjusted enough at this point to. Uh, <laughs> and and it would be a little weird if I started sitting down in the groups that I facilitate. So. Yeah, yeah I guess that would be a little strange, huh? Yeah, that would be a little weird for me oh, to sit down and be like, oh. But I guess well, what I was getting, <laughs> I guess what I was getting to is that, that you you obviously would support somebody going to a support group and then express the importance oh, of absolutely. connecting with other people who you know who are living with a disease. I know it was something I did for a short period of time, and you know it kind of felt good to for a minute to be kind of like in the circle instead of like you said facilitating the circle. It's kind of like a different approach, so it was it was cool for me. I liked it. So uh, I want to um, go ahead. I'm sorry. We and our our program hosts 152 groups a year. So wow. we have you know we we definitely recommend them to anyone who comes to our clinic or anyone in any of the medical centers or that network to ours. So we have an average of 20 to 30 people who attend most of our groups. So you know we've got about 4,000. What, what is the name of the what is what is the name of the organization you work at? So we can just put that out there so people I work, know. I work for Kansas City Care Clinic. Um, okay. It's a qualified health center in the in the midtown area of the city, and we really cater to people who don't have insurance or can't afford a normal doctor's office. Um, it was founded in 1971 by hippies who believe that healthcare should be a right, not a not a something just for people who have money. And for the longest time, right. they didn't charge, and you couldn't go there if you had insurance. So everything works kind of on a sliding scale, so we can afford, so people who can't afford medical care can come and be taken care of. No, that's awesome. That's incredible. And because it reminds me of where I go here in Philly, Philly Fight, uh, there was a place that was like that. It was for people without insurance, and that's where I started out. And then once you got insurance, or you had you were working there was a sliding scale that you paid each time and you know it makes it affordable for you to go and still get the all the important information that you need so no i think that's great so what is it that you do exactly as the hiv peer educator uh there for somebody who may not be familiar with that that type of work so what we do is it's someone in our department it's everyone in our department is positive and it gives someone kind of a buddy system um someone who's positive who's been through medical care who's been through, you know, some of those, sometimes the depression or the dealing with their status, um, stigma. And we kind of go through some core components of education, you know, how the virus works and how it replicates um, to how treatment works and where it stops the virus. Um, And we just try to empower people to live their best lives. So um, I'll meet people who are newly diagnosed or people who are having trouble adhering to their medications. So people who are missing lots of doses, things like that, we'll sit down and we'll kind of work out a game plan of how to 
better interact in there, or better engage in their medical care and taking care of themselves. Nice. So I, I want to take a quick break here and play uh, this week's uh, HIV scoop from Josh Robbins. But um, when we come back, I want to talk about where the name Positively Calvin came from. And I want to talk about this one photo that you posted on Instagram. And um, I want to know if you used a real Sharpie or not. But we'll talk about that when we come right <laughs> back. So uh, we'll be right back with Calvin Pugh. This is the all-new HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusively for Paws I Am Radio. This week's buzzworthy sexual health news in under two minutes. Here's Josh Robbins with this week's HIV Scoop. Hey, everyone. I hope you've had an amazing week. I know that I certainly have. Robert, how you doing, buddy? How you doing? All right, I'm going to start off with some not-so-great news. I know, I know. Y'all just think that I'm just like Debbie Downer over here. But it's important. There was a recent survey of HIV-positive youth in the U.S., and the results were just terrible, according to Reuters Health. But what it said was nearly one in four youth living with HIV in the U.S., they don't notify a sex or a drug use partner about a potential HIV exposure, despite medical professionals and others like you and I urging them to do so. And that was all found out from a study of teens and young adults published in the October 4th issue of the Journal of Acquired Immune Deficiency Syndrome, the medical journal. A surprising finding from the survey-based study was that 81% of participants reported not ever being contacted at all from a past partner. Uh, Brown University School of Public Health in Providence, Rhode Island presented the, these results and findings. Now, they, they entered an online survey and more than three quarters of their participants reported that once they learned that they were HIV positive, that they contacted all or at least some of their past partners to notify them that, hey, you need to be tested for HIV. 22% of the participants didn't, didn't succeed or, or just didn't try. And nearly all the participants reported that someone such as an HIV tester or someone like you and I had talked to them about the importance of past partner notification. Better news now, Elton John has been honored at Harvard University, at Harvard, for his work to fight HIV and AIDS. According to ABC News Digital, Elton was awarded the Harvard Foundation's Peter J. Gomes Humanitarian Award at a ceremony last week. Congratulations, Elton John. He said that, that he's lost friends to uh, AIDS and that he regrets not doing more to help as he battled addiction early in his career, but he said his life changed when he met Ryan White. His AIDS foundation has raised more than 300 million to help fund HIV-related programs since it was established in 1992. Hey, Elton, buddy, you have way made up for it, and we are so appreciative. I'm Josh Robbins. This was your HIV Scoop. And there you have it. Thanks, Josh Robbins. Again, you can find more information on Josh by going to I'm Still Josh. Dot com. Um, wow, what a, an amazing HIV scoop this week here. You talked about the, the surveys that went out in the U.S. Um, about the HIV youth, um, how one in four youth don't disclose uh, to their sex or drug partners, which is kind of uh, shocking and, and, and sad. Um, education is definitely needed there. And he definitely talked about Elton John winning the award at Harvard, which was, which was pretty incredible. And I think kudos to Elton John. I remember sitting at the Positive Living Conference and hearing uh, – Jeannie White, uh, Ryan White's mother, speaking about how Elton John reached out to her and her family during um, 
you know, the whole incident with Ryan White when it was going on and how he really changed their lives. And I think that, you know, it was in both both hands, you know, uh, Ryan changed his life and he definitely changed Ryan and his family's life. So uh, kudos to Elton and congratulations. I would still love to get that man on this show. So uh, Calvin, are you with me? I am. Yeah, I am. What a I cool am. story so, let's about see. Yeah, he's uh, he's a he's an incredible incredible man. He's definitely done a lot for people living with HIV, and um, I think he earned his his brownie points, you know, for anything he may have missed yeah, absolutely. previously. Absolutely, he did. So, so tell me about this uh, positively, Calvin. Where did the name exactly come from? Well, I kind of we were, I was sitting down with some friends, and and we were kind of talking about you know what we were going to where we saw ourselves working in the next couple of years. And I was winding down things in my salon and I really wanted to focus my, my life in, in the HIV field. And, and I, my friends have always said what a positive attitude I have. And um, I started to think that way. And actually Josh Robbins and I were having a conversation on Facebook and he suggested that the way it's spelled now and, um, he kind of he's done a lot of encouraging for me to keep it up and doing what we've been what I've been doing. So that's been that's where it came from. So Josh, your favorite favorite Josh Robbins there is has a lot of credit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a he's he's a cool guy. Um, no, that's cool. So I, you know, there's one photo that definitely sticks out <laughs> to me that you posted. Um, it was back. Oh God, I don't even know when it was. It looks like it was in October on Instagram and. Uh, you have words written all over your body. Uh, you know, you have your shirt off, and, and you have words yeah. written like stigma, whore, victim, stereotype, sick. Um, one, did you use a real Sharpie? And two, kind of explain what you were trying to do with that photo. Um, I think def- I did. I definitely did not use a real Sharpie. Um, thank God because <laughs> um, then I'd be trying to take it off myself, and that would that would be that would take a little while. Um, but I was definitely trying to kind of advocate for people who kind of got some of the conversations I was having with people about how they felt about themselves, the things that people had called them. And I had kind of, I had kind of just said, I decided to dip my toe back in the dating water and had downloaded Grinder, and someone had, you know, spouted off something stupid. And I thought, well, what a time to talk about this, you know, instead of just getting angry and what can, you know, everyone experiences someone on dating apps or through social media calling them something or even in public. Um, and I thought, you know, well, let's just take all those things. And what I, what I'd written in the original post, the thing, the one from October, I was just sharing throwback um, for Thursday. And they, uh, <laughs> what I shared the original thing was, are the words that you call someone else was, if you had them written on your skin, would you be beautiful? And for me, that was one of the things that all those things that people may, may have to say, you know, you, I'm still going to live my life. Yeah, you know, stigma is one of the things that is probably the biggest thing, if not, you know, that that comes with this disease or, or come with this diagnosis is the stigma that carries with it and, and what people think about it. And a lot of that is, you know, what's projected from uh, from the earlier days when, you know, people were dying and, and you were basically, you know, you had days to months, you know, to, to live after a diagnosis. And now with, you know, medication and antivirals and, and you equals you and things like that, like we're learning that we're, 
we can live a healthy, normal life and, and have sex and, and be in relationships and fall in love and have kids and all that crazy stuff. You know what I mean? But the, the stigma is always the biggest thing. I mean, what, what do you think, I mean, what do you think we could do moving forward to, to break down more stigma? I mean, it's, that, I mean, that's the deadly disease, really, not really HIV, if you ask me. Absolutely. I mean, HIV is a, is a manageable condition at this point. You know, stigma is definitely the deadly part. You know, if people, aren't, if people don't get tested for, for, because of stigma, if people don't go get treatment because of stigma, and then we continue to spread the virus by, and because of stigma. Um, people that, you know, I, I sat down with a client not too long ago who had gotten a CD4 count of less than, it was six. You know, he was on the verge of death. You know, why didn't he come in? Oh, because what are people going to think? Mm-hmm. You know, that's what's going to kill people. Um, I think for as far as what could really reduce stigma is, is people coming out and telling their stories. You know, I think the more that we share stories of living well as opposed to dying, I think that changes the conversation entirely. Um, yeah. When we were sitting at this meeting a few weeks ago and we were talking about how this city isn't ready to talk about HIV, well, you know, then, of course, they turned to me and said, well, you don't care whether they're ready or not. You're going to talk about it anyhow. And I go, well, no, I don't really care whether they want to talk about it or not. We're going to talk about it anyhow. So what we need to do. Right. You know, and the more that someone talks about it and the more that it becomes kind of a normalized part of our conversation, there goes stigma. You know, stigma ends when you have a personal connection to someone. True. That's true. And I, I see, I also think that stigma begins kind of with us. It starts within our own our own mindset, our own thinking right after the diagnosis, you know, especially if it's the immediate thought is, is I'm going to die, uh, you know, especially if you're not educated. I know at the time when I was diagnosed in 2001, it was it was somewhat manageable. There was medication. People were living longer, but it still was something that, you know, people were dying of. And now, you know what I mean, people are more worried about other issues like that you get when you're older instead of, you know what I mean, without being HIV positive. You know what I mean? Like we have to deal with other issues because we're living longer. And I think that's kind of, that's kind of incredible. It is incredible. I think the last thing that I read was that, you know, if, if people are staying in care and getting in treatment, something by your, you know, thirties and twenties, you can live to 80 something, you can live 10 years past what the average population will. I'm not sure that I want to live to see what the world will look like 10 years past what everybody else is going to, but <laughs> I do. I mean, what incredible thought process that that's not, that's not what you have to think about. You know, I don't have to worry about dying tomorrow. My, you know, the, yeah. I always tell people that, you know, taking care of yourself and I, me and my doctor have a very long conversation of, you know, what is it that I can do to improve my health and having those conversations with your medical providers is really the key to living well. And I think if we can live well, then it shows everyone it's, you know, it's not the deadly disease that I think some of our world still thinks it is. Yeah, a lot of people still seem to think that. But as long as there's more people like, you know, me and you who are out there sharing their stories and, and being, you know, open about it, 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 it will break down those walls of stigma that have been built up for so many years. I just feel like those walls are so high. You know, some people have them built so high that they – they're they're not able to see past what what happened before. I don't know. It's a sad world. Yeah, you know, and the only way you take down walls <laughs> is brick by brick. You know, 
Yeah. You only, you only can take down walls one at a time. Yep, and each person's story who comes out is a brick. Absolutely. There you have it. Well, Calvin, we're actually down to the last few minutes. I do uh, want to thank you for coming on and talking with me and, and sharing your story. You are an incredible young man. Um, I, I applaud you for what you do. I think it's honest, brave, raw. It's inspiring. Um, and I hope that one day we'll cross paths. I'm sure we will at some point at a conference or or some other way. We'll, um, and, and we can find a way to work together or do something uh, to, uh, you know, break stigma down. I think that uh, you're somebody who could uh, help me with that. I think I have a couple of projects coming up and I think I want to keep you in mind to help me with that. So I look forward to working Absolutely. with you. I think you're an awesome guy. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It was such an honor. No problem. And people can find you on social media uh, by just searching Positively Calvin, correct? Yes, sir. And it's Calvin, Calvin with a K. All right, Calvin, thank you yep. so much. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. All right, have a good day. All right, there you have it. For more information on Calvin Pugh, uh, you can go to our website, positiveradio.com, and we have links there uh, to uh, his social media. So again, uh, thanks, Calvin, for joining us. We're going to close out with uh, Lexi's positive message. Uh, we want to also remember to send some love to our friend Kevin Maloney from Rise Up to HIV. Uh, we're thinking about you and keeping you in our thoughts, buddy. So uh, keep trucking. I don't have any issues with having HIV because I've accepted it. And I know no matter what, everything's going to be okay. I have two options. Choose to be sad about it or be proactive and positive. I'd rather be happy. So I educate myself, which creates confidence. And I understand why other people make jokes or may hate it. It's because they don't understand it. So they are scared which is a natural human reaction. So therefore, I don't take it personal. I educate them to help them feel comfortable. I stay calm and normal because my energy will be their energy. I don't care about what people think. I know the truth about HIV and I'm okay with that. What others say does not affect my life. I have a choice to allow that energy in or not. That's theirs to keep, not mine. I know I will live. I know I can have kids without them contracting. I know I can be in a relationship and have all the sex I want. What more can I ask for? I may have less energy some days. I take meds every day. I go to the doctors every six months for a checkup on my health. That's not so bad to me. We gotta just accept what is, enjoy life day to day, and let the rest go. This is why I don't worry. My medicine is just a daily routine. It's not an HIV reminder. I choose to live a normal life. I mean, my life is normal. I just have a manageable virus that I take meds for. That's all. Thanks for listening to Pause I Am Radio, your dose of hope. Connect with the show at pauseiamradio.com or on social media. And we'll see you next time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch -ch 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 -ch
That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.